Today we are talking about the biggest mistakes, the mistakes that you might be making that are killing your progress when it comes to your health and fitness. All right, let's get to it. First and foremost is not fully understanding your own nutritional needs. And this is such a freaking pet peeve for me. This is why I hate those what I eat in a day videos because they're always made by like, you know, fitness influencers or someone who's 15 years younger than you or someone who's on TV, someone who has no clue about nutrition. You're looking at their body, you're looking at their results, and you're thinking that if you eat the way that they eat, you are going to look like they do. And there's so many problems with this. Okay, first of all, are they really eating that? Probably not. And even if they are, and it's working for them, what makes you think it would work for you? What makes you think, even if you were identical twins, that it would work for you? That's not the way the body works. I remember watching the What I Eat in a Day YouTube, it was on YouTube anyways, of Kelly Ripa. And as she went through her, (laughs) what she eats in a day, I thought, this is just freaking crazy. I swear to you, I am not making this up. Somebody please track down this video. In that video, because this is probably why she took it down or whatever, the powers that be took it down. In that video, she said, sometimes for dessert, I will have a chocolate-covered almond or a chocolate-covered cashew. Singular, not plural. That is so crazy. And to think the millions of women or worse yet, young girls who watch that and thought that that's what they have to do. And I'm not faulting Kelly because, again, even when someone does a what I eat in a day, it's never a complete, I mean, it's one day. It's not a snapshot of the whole year. They aren't registered dietitians. You don't know their size. You don't know how much they're exercising, their age, all those things. You don't know about their eating disorders, if they have them or not. You don't know. I mean, there's just so many variables. It is why I wanted nothing to do with the eating plans that are associated with a lot of these online workout programs. It's why when I created Phase It Up, customers demanded, like literally would demand an eating plan. They're like, we need to know what to eat every day and the amount, etc. And we fought back like crazy. Eventually, we did put together, because of the demand, kind of a sampling of what you could eat in a day, but we never included amounts. We always told people, you, you've got to figure this out. Like, hello, two people who are, one person's like 20 pounds heavier than the other, or one person is two inches taller, or five years older. Like, all of those variables have an impact on how much you're supposed to eat and how many macros and what percentage of macronutrients you're supposed to eat and and what are your goals and what's going on with your hormones and is your thyroid working properly? Like all of these things impact your nutritional needs. And frankly, we're making a really big mistake by assuming that we can follow fill in the blank diet plan or fill in the blank stupid cleanse or like whatever you're doing. Like it just makes no sense if you don't personally know, number one, what's your goal? And number two, what are your nutritional needs? Okay, so now I know what you're thinking. Well, Shaleen, how do I know my nutritional needs? Okay, great question. I think the first thing, like kind of a baseline, is understanding where is your current metabolic rate? What is your basal metabolic rate? Now, your basal metabolic rate, that refers to 
how many calories or how much energy do you need to take in just to exist, just to breathe, to live, normal digestive functions, like just to function, not including exercise. With a simple Google search, you can find like a ton of BMR calculators and almost all the calculators are going to be nearly identical. The problem is, again, it's going to ask you for your age, your gender, your height, your weight. But what it's not going to ask you for with that calculator is what's going on with your hormones. It's not going to ask you about your stress level. It's not going to ask you about how long you've been restricting calories or overeating or overexercising. And because of that, when you use one of those BMR calculators, like it's going to vary dramatically from one person to the next. I mean, your true BMR is going to be wildly different. It could be wildly different, yet you might both get the same number if you use one of those calculators. I mean, I've heard estimates that those BMRs can be off as much as plus or minus 400 calories per day. That's huge. I mean, if you're off by 400 calories, right? Like the BMR calculator is telling you to eat 400 more calories per day than what you actually need. You are going to gain weight quickly, but it's kind of the baseline. And by that, I mean, in order to know what your nutritional needs are, we kind of have to start with like, what is the minimum amount of energy, food, nutrition, calories, whatever you want to call it, that I need to maintain, to gain, or to lose weight? We have to start with that. Even before we start looking at the macronutrients. And remember, when you hear me say macros or when you hear someone say like, oh, you got to count your macros or take a look at your macros, what they're referring to is a percentage of your total calories divided by the percentage of fat, protein, and carbohydrates. That too is very individualized. Like some people, their bodies just don't process carbohydrates as well. And so they maybe need a lower percentage of carbohydrates, even though their calories can be the same. Some people might need more fat. Some people might need more protein. We do know this. If you're trying to build muscle to change your body composition, your body does need a certain amount of protein. We're pretty clear on that in order to support muscle growth. And here's where things get tricky. If we're over-consuming, right? If we're eating too many calories, we're probably going to be gaining weight. If we under-consume, we're supposed to lose weight. Unless, of course, you're under-consuming for extended periods of time, in which case your metabolism slows. So your resting metabolic rate, your BMR, would actually be considerably slower or lower, should we say, than what you might see if you just went to one of these calculators online. Now, another way to look at your BMR, perhaps more efficiently, but again, not perfect, is to have a DEXA scan. D-E-X-A, a DEXA scan. Now, I highly recommend you consider doing a DEXA scan like after the age of 40, at least once a year, because that's going to tell you so much more than getting on a scale. A DEXA scan is a type of medical imaging. It's like a test and it's very easy. It takes like 15, 20 minutes. What it does, it uses very low levels of x-rays to measure your bone density, your body fat. And it's crazy. It's kind of cool to look at because it'll show you like your body fat in your right leg versus your left leg. You can see where you're holding on to fat. So unlike the calipers or stepping on those body fat scales, which are, again, they've got a plus or minus of margin of error, but those things are data points. They are not the end all be all. 
my concern is that I think very few people realize the plus or minus margin of error and they base everything around that number, the number that they got on the scale, the special scale at the gym or the number their personal trainer gave you after measuring your arm with calipers or by holding on to the electrodes that measure your body fat percentages. Like these things, they all have a margin of error. But the DEXA scan is at the moment one of the most accurate ways to measure body fat. Many would agree it's far more accurate even than doing the dunk tank of measuring body fat. Okay, because the DEXA scan does take into consideration your muscle skeletal system, bone density, water in your body, body fat, like all of the things, it's pretty remarkable. You are going to get a far more accurate BMR reading from a DEXA scan. So for me, when I really, again, was not seeing the results, I wasn't putting on the muscle the way that I wanted to be putting on muscle, and I was told that I was under eating. And so the person that I was working with, you know, she developed a plan for the amount of calories that she thought that I could consume, should be consuming based on my level of activity, my age, my weight, all those things. But it's very subjective, right? You know, what she can't factor in is my history, my genetics, my bone density, (laughs) you know, my true and accurate body fat percentage. She can take my body fat percentage, but it's, it's not the same as doing a DEXA scan. So the numbers that she came up with, I felt like were way higher than what I needed. Mine was based on you know, like knowing my body, but at the same time, I'm smart enough to realize, you know, I, I have to be open to considering that she was right, that maybe I was dramatically under consuming calories and nutrients And that that was why I wasn't putting on muscle the way I wanted to, right? So I have to be open-minded to it, even though like my intuition is like, "Eh, that just seems really high based on what I believe to be true for my body. So I have to have an open mind. Like if you want to change, if you want to break out of a plateau, you've got to look at things differently. You have to be willing to say, well, it doesn't hurt to try. And so that's the first time I did a DEXA scan was to get at least a more accurate understanding of what a closer representation of what my BMR should be. And based on my DEXA scan, my BMR landed higher than what I was consuming, higher than what I thought I should be eating, but lower than what she had recommended for me. So I felt like, okay, this makes sense. Like this is what I'm going to start at. This is where I'm going to start. I'm going to start with this as being my baseline And I can do this for a couple of weeks. The worst case scenario is I start putting on body fat very quickly and adjust accordingly. But that that DEXA scan gave me a place to start that wasn't based on a hunch, that wasn't based on a random, you know, calculator on Google. It was a probably the most accurate and affordable way for me to understand where is my BMR. Now, a DEXA machine is is not that hard to find in bigger cities, of course. If you live in a more rural area, it's going to be a little tougher. You might have to go into the big city. You can often find them at women's clinics because that's where they're going to be doing bone density testing. You can ask your treating physician. You can say, you know, I'm worried about my bone density. You don't have to tell them, like, I'm trying to figure out my basal metabolic rate. Just tell me you're looking at your bone density, which is something you should be looking at, in which case I believe the DEXA scan is covered by most insurance programs. I know mine was. If I want to, which I have on many occasions, do a DEXA scan outside of when my doctor wants to look at my bone density, then I pay for it out of pocket. 
And at least here in Southern California, I always wait until I see a special, but I can usually get a DEXA scan for like under a hundred bucks. And like I said, they take like 15 minutes. One place that you can look at is an imaging center where they do x-rays, MRIs. And again, it's just a place to start, you know, because you, you kind of want to figure out like, okay, do I really know how many calories I'm supposed to be eating? Because there's so much confusing information out there, you guys. It's no wonder people don't know how to support their own nutritional needs. It's just like, there's so much garbage out there. It's not even funny. I mean, before we even start talking about diet, like just talking about our baselines, there's so much crap out there. It just really does not make me feel good to know that, you know, at a certain point in my career, I mean, when you know better, you do better. But at a certain point in my career, I was recommending diet plans where, you know, the same meal plan was given out to everybody, male, female, like, you know, the same number of calories. It just makes no sense, which just totally set people up for failure. Oh my gosh. Ah, well, now we can do better, right? Okay, so I had my DEXA scan. The BMR from that report said that I need to be eating more calories than what I thought I needed to be eating, but less calories than what the nutritionist I was working with said that I needed to be eating. So I thought, okay, this is a happy medium. Let's start with this and then develop a plan for the percentage of macronutrients that I need in order to gain the kind of muscle that I want to put on and not necessarily gain weight, but more so reduce body fat. And in the very first month, I lost 4% body fat. That's pretty crazy because I dramatically, well, it felt like pretty dramatic to me anyways. I dramatically decreased my cardiovascular training and I increased my food intake and I shifted my macronutrient percentages and you know, and I know what you're thinking right now. Well, Shalene, can you just tell us? Can you tell us what your calories were? Can you tell us what your weight is? Can you tell us what your macronutrient percentages are? My friend, my beautiful, beautiful friend. I have before in previous episodes, I've talked about generally the percentage of macronutrients, like the ranges that I tend to stay in, but I don't count my macronutrients every day. I just don't. I do it like maybe once every 90 days just to see where I am or if I feel like, wait, gosh, my body just feels weird, like I feel thicker, I'm putting on body fat, or I just don't like the way my clothes look, well, then yeah, then I I stop and I go, okay, let me track exactly what I'm eating. Not like I want to see if I can be really good for a couple of days. No, I track exactly what I'm doing so I can see where I got off. And then I adjust accordingly. Listen, this might not have been the answer you were looking for. You were probably hoping that when I said the biggest mistake that people make is they really don't know their own nutritional needs, you're probably hoping that I would give you a macronutrient ratio or maybe I could tell you exactly what you're supposed to do or exactly where you're going to find this secret formula. But I don't want to do that because it's BS. And I, I know, I know you want to be like one answer that doesn't change so you can get it right and and stay there. You know what I mean? But the problem is, it's not a problem. The reality is your metabolic needs, your nutritional needs, it's a moving target, okay? So if you're really trying to tweak things, if you're really trying to figure out what's going on, if you really do want to see results that you're not seeing, you have to be willing to constantly keep your eye on the ball because that target is moving. And ladies, after 40, it moves a lot faster and with far less predictability. 
I mean, it is particularly true for those of you who are perimenopausal, which, you know, tends to start around age 35, 35 to 45 is when we're, most women are perimenopausal. And when your hormones are changing, and this is true for the dudes too, like when you start to produce less testosterone, you're going to have a change in your nutritional needs. And if you're one of those people that like really needs to fine tune your body, like it's that big of a deal to you, you know what I mean? You're just like, I need to look exactly the same forever and ever and ever. Well, then get ready to be a scientist and to have to make adjustments and accommodations on a regular basis. I know that's a lot. So let me just recap. All right, we're going to start by figuring out what our basal metabolic rate is as accurately as possible. And then you're going to do a little bit of research. Start with what is my goal for my body? Do I want to put on more muscle? Do I want to change my body composition? Am I trying to reduce body fat? Because that's going to make you come in a smaller package. Forget about the weight. Like I'm not going to talk about weight. I know some of you your goal is to like lose weight. I understand that, but man, I wish you would just start with body fat. Because if if you just focus on body fat, the scale is just not going to be that important. But whatever your goal is, then you want to start doing some research and understanding how to shift your macronutrients in a way that allows you to reach your goal. So your your nutrition has to be designed to support your physical goals. Your body is not a Yugo. Is that like an 80s reference? Like, are Yugos even still on the road anymore? Does anyone even know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you have to let me know. Do you know what I'm talking about? What I'm trying to say is that your your body is not a clunker. It's not a car that you can put like the lowest level of gasoline in it and just expect it to do its thing. Your body is like a Lamborghini. It is an amazing machine. But you've got to understand that the premium gasoline that you put in, the highest grade and quality of oil, like all of those things have an impact on the output. The next biggest mistake that you might be making that's standing in the way of you getting your amazing results is using the wrong marker of success, okay? And I need you to hear what I'm about to say. You might be looking at the wrong thing and beating yourself up because you're like, I'm not making progress. I have heard from too many of you. I just want to come over and like slap you on the hand or put you in timeout because you keep talking about having abs. You need to hear what I'm about to say. It is very unnatural and uncommon for most women to have visible six-pack abs while maintaining a healthy relationship with food and exercise. And before you go, you know, off on me inside the pod squad or write me a negative review on the podcast, as I said, there are exceptions. I mean, I have one of my girlfriends, she can be 25% body fat. And she said, Shaleen, even when I was pregnant, you could kind of still see the outline of my abs. Like I, I just always have abs. Always. I was that little girl who adults would comment like, oh my gosh, she's got abs. And there are those people, I mean, all of us carry our body fat in different places. There are some women, no matter how lean they get, even when you can see their abs, they still have saddlebags. Genetically speaking, some people carry more weight in their lower half. Some people carry it in the abdomen. On top of that, the other genetic factor that has an impact on whether or not you can see your abs as a woman is your muscle structure. 
Some people have very flat, very smooth muscles. So no matter how freaking strong their core is, those muscles are flat and smooth. Even muscle structure and hypertrophy, a lot of that is genetics. And I know you look at two kids. I know you've all seen like babies where you're like, oh my gosh, they've got biceps or they've got little calves because genetically speaking, their muscle shape, the belly of their muscle is rounder. So if that is inherently the shape of your abdominal muscles, it is easier to see the six pack. So you can take two people, two women, let's say, of the same body fat. They weigh the same, they've got the same body fat, but they have different genetics. And one of them has abs and the other one just has a smooth, flat stomach and you can't see their abs. And so the woman who can't see her abs, but her stomach is flat, she's going to beat herself up because she's like, you can't see my abs. And she's going to try to get lower and lower and lower. But the fact of the matter is she may never see her abs because that's not how her muscle structure works. So that's a problem. And the other big problem is that for most women, again, they have to get their body fat so low in order to see their abdominal wall that more often than not, they develop amenorrhea, meaning they stop having a menstrual cycle. They become infertile, which also causes problems with hormone levels, depression, anxiety, sleep disturbances, bone density. It starts to impact their organs. So hold on a second. Let me just get on my little soapbox here for a second. I'm going to do this by asking you a couple of questions. Do you have a goal of being infertile or having malnourishment to the extent that it impacts your body's ability to make estrogen, which therefore then causes you to lose your menstrual cycle and impacts your bone density, your mental health, and increases your risk of all-cause mortality? Okay, is that your goal? You sure? Are you sure? Because when you're saying, I really want to see my abs, I know you don't want to hear this, but I want to shift your perspective. For those of you who aren't genetically predisposed, again, there are exceptions, but if you're not genetically predisposed to very easily see six-pack abs at a healthy body fat percentage, then what you're saying is that I'm upset with my progress because I want to look a certain way, even though I know it has nothing to do with optimal health. Okay? Okay. Can we all stop obsessing about abs? You know if you are predisposed to have a six-pack or not. You, you know. You just know. <laughs> okay? So let's stop using other people's body types or other people's predisposition to have a you know, these things that society has decided, oh, this means that you're in shape. This means that you're super fit. Like, I mean, I can show you a woman right now who's got an incredible six pack and her backside is covered in cellulite and her lower half is where she carries all of her weight. And you know what she wants? She wants your thighs and you want her abs. Like we all just have to focus on our own progress as opposed to using a particular body part as our marker of success. Okay, so new habit alert. Now when I'm recording my podcast, that's what I'm using as my trigger to remind me to have my greens. So what I'm drinking right now contains ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, chlorella, coconut water, wheatgrass, red beet, matcha green tea, turmeric, lemon, and prebiotic powder. 
There's no mess. There's no blending. There's no food processing. It's a powdered form, 100% organic. I put one scoop of Organifi Greens powder into a big glass of sparkling ice. I stir it up. It tastes so refreshing. I'm not going to lie. I add a packet of stevia because I like it super sweet. It's delicious. It's actually very refreshing. The superfoods that they pack into this drink are specifically designed to help you reduce your cortisol levels. Now, if you're stressed, you can improve your cortisol levels by having a green juice every day. The Organifi Greens drink is it's very tasty. There is an acquired taste to it. It does have a little bit of a greens taste, a little bit of a minty taste. But if you don't love Organifi Greens, Try another one of Organifi's products. I drink Organifi Pure mixed with Organifi Immunity every morning in my water bottle. That's for my immune system and my brain health. And I'm now having a greens drink in the afternoon. I want you to try the amazing line of Organifi products. They're all 100% organic. They're my favorites. They're convenient. They're delicious. So check it out. You get 20% off when you go to Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, dot com forward slash Shaleen. It's Organifi with an I dot com forward slash Shaleen for 20% off. Check out their line of products. And if you know that you could use more greens and you want a tasty, delicious alternative to pulling out the blender, try the Organifi greens juice. That's Organifi.com forward slash Shaleen. The next biggest mistake that I think you might be making is expecting results too quickly. Like the body does not work that way. Especially if you are a someone who's been exercising and, and eating pretty healthy most of your life and you've put on weight or you're just not seeing the progress you want to see or you're, you're just unhappy with your progress, but yet you've been doing all the things all the time. And now you're thinking like, maybe I need to do it harder. Maybe I need to do something new. And you try something new or you implement a new plan And you're discouraged because you don't see results right away. And that disappointment is compounded when you look around and you see other people who are getting results really fast. Well, first of all, you you can't compare yourself to them because, again, a new exerciser is going to see results quicker because it's more of a shock to their body. The same way if you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again, then you try a new workout and you're like, holy cow, that workout was easier, so why am I sore in areas I didn't even know I have muscles? When something is new, you tend to get better results. But we we almost have to stop, especially if you've been exercising and eating well as a way of life for years. It's really important that we stop looking for or, or measuring our own progress on our results, and instead, we focus more on the journey. And maybe this will help. The faster you see results, this is typically true. Listen, your girl's been doing this for more than 25 years. I've been helping, I've helped hundreds of thousands of people transform their bodies. And I've seen a large percentage of those people go right back to where they were or worse. And here's what I know. This I know to be true. The faster and more dramatic your results, the more likely you are to go back to where you were having done more harm than good. You see someone who has like dramatic, insane weight loss or dramatic, insane body transformations. I'm telling you, it's pretty rare. There's always exceptions. Hello. But it's definitely more common to see that person who had like crazy, amazing, fast results go right back to where they were and be worse off. And you don't want that. So be patient. Okay. 
Enjoy the journey. Okay, the next reason why you might not be seeing results, assuming again that you are exercising and you're on top of your nutrition, the next biggest reason why people aren't seeing results is because what they're doing is really, really ineffective. I see this all the time at the gym. I see people who are there for you know an hour-long workout and I watch what she or he might be doing and I think to myself, this is really hard for me not to say something because almost everything that they're doing is a waste of time. And that's a bummer because they just spent an hour here in the gym and what they're doing isn't going to make a difference whatsoever. I mean, they're either using poor form, the wrong size weights, they're doing the wrong exercises, they're following the wrong exercise program, they're doing the right exercise program, but they have really bad technique and form. And I'm telling you, that is a major impact on your results. Just learning how to lift the right way will make a humongous difference, huge in your progress. So if you're someone you're like, I actually don't know. I think I'm doing it right. I'm watching the videos or I'm watching other people at the gym or I watch YouTube videos and I think I'm doing exactly what they're doing. Don't take this the wrong way because it's no fault of your own. If you're not a trained professional, if you've never learned the biomechanics that are involved with most of these exercise programs, we can't fault you. Like, how would you know? But once you do know how, and if you've ever worked one-on-one with a trainer, you know what I'm talking about. Like, what a huge difference it can make in your results. Is that an investment? Yes. Could you do it virtually? Absolutely. Can you find less expensive ways of doing it? Sure. You could educate yourself. There's so many great videos that'll teach you the right and wrong way to do what it is you're probably already doing and get better results in less time. Now, if we're talking about strength training, can I tell you who my favorite guy is on YouTube? The account is Athlean. It's A-T-H-L-E-A-N-X, Athlean X. I mean, his videos are definitely geared towards dudes, but hello, muscles are muscles. Biomechanics are not male or female. Like he understands physics, mechanics, good form, how to get you better results. And again, like most of the videos are geared towards dudes, but like the information is so sound. I love, 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 love his videos. I don't know if that's the channel I would tell you to watch, like if you're looking for routines or whatever. Hey, I posted up a workout routine in my YouTube video, the one that's called Cardio Versus Strength. And at the end of it, I show you like one of my leg day routines. I don't talk too much about form in that one, but at least you'll see a routine. But he really drills down on which exercises are a waste of time. He'll help you understand like the physics and biomechanics behind each and every move in every muscle. And it's just really sound information. I'm telling you, you know, start there. If you can afford to hire a really knowledgeable personal trainer, no offense, but I, I'm not talking about hiring, you know, the 18 year old who just got hired at the place down the street as a personal trainer because he or she likes to work out. You know what I'm saying? Like do your research because just by invest and tell your trainer right up front, say like, listen, If you can't afford to work with them long-term, say, this is what I want to do. I want to understand biomechanics. I want to understand how to make all of these exercises more effective. I'd like for you to design a, a program for me, and then I want to take it on my own. They'll do that for you. Are you kidding? Absolutely. But do your research. 
Find out who a good personal trainer is locally. This is even something that you could definitely do online. I know I've mentioned her several times, but my girlfriend, Mia Finnegan, she knows her stuff. She's probably one of the best strength training coaches, female strength training coaches I've ever worked with. Lynette Savage, but I don't know if she still does it. I mean, I have to get some more resources for you guys, but as someone who's been in a lot of exercise videos, can I tell you, it is my pet peeve to see the horrific, stupid moves I see in some videos. Sometimes YouTube, but sometimes like these streaming videos, I'm like, you're just trying to be creative and you're sacrificing safety, form, and efficiency. It's stupid. Who's reviewing this? This is so unsafe and such a waste of people's time. Why are we doing this? Just because it made you breathe hard or it was hard to do doesn't mean it's an effective exercise. It's just my pet peeve. Oh, it makes my skin crawl. It's one of the reasons why I really cannot watch most fitness videos. I I can't watch streaming workouts. There's just a few YouTube channels that I can watch because I know the people actually understand biomechanics because I, I hate thinking that people are spending all this time and it's not like you're wasting your time because I mean, any movement is good, right? But if you have a limited amount of time and you're putting in the time and you're giving it your best effort, but the exercises that you're following are crappy, I mean, that just drives me crazy. Like that that's just not fair. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's not right. <laughs> and you you just have to be an advocate for yourself. And knowledge is power. So no matter how old you are, what age or stage you are in your exercise journey, if this stuff really fascinates you, go get your personal training certification. You know, it only takes a weekend, (laughs) but you will learn so much from that or just educate yourself online with some really quality content. And the last and final mistake that I wanted to address today, there are others, but these are the big ones, is not practicing periodization and progressive overload. Now, these are two terms that you're going to often hear, again, personal trainers or people who are you know, really engrossed in the fitness culture. You'll hear these terms, and here's what they mean. Progressive overload refers to you safely changing things, making things tougher, like you're progressively get, making things harder because when we make things progressively harder, we get progressively better. Like I, I mentioned in a podcast a couple of weeks ago that I could only curl, not only, I mean, because I know some people like maybe can only curl five pounds, but forever. And I mean, probably 10 years, I maxed out at 15 pound bicep curls. Sometimes I could do 20s, but I, you know, I felt really comfortable with like 15s and I just didn't feel like I could lift heavier without hurting myself. I thought, well, this is it. This is my limit. But then I made those changes that I addressed in that previous podcast where I changed my nutrition, I changed my sleep, I changed my training style, I cut back my cardio, and my strength started to improve. I started getting really a lot stronger, which allowed me then to progressively overload the muscle. And now I can very easily curl 25 pounds as I'm aging, I'm getting stronger and lifting more. Like your body is a remarkable thing. I know you guys have already followed at train with Joan. If you haven't open up your phone right now and follow at train with Joan, because she will inspire you to understand the the power of progressive overload. And it's a personal training principle where if we're, if we're not adding more, either more reps 
or more weight or just making things more difficult. I shouldn't say adding. Sometimes it's just finding a new way to challenge the body. If we're not finding a new way to challenge the body, what does the body do? You got it. You're so smart. Yeah, it stays the same. So if you're not trying to stay exactly like what you are right now, if if you're trying to change, if you're disappointed in your progress, well, then you need to think about progressive overload. And remember, when I say progressive overload, that's just a fancy term that means like, how can I figure out a way to make things more challenging? Doesn't always need to be more brutal. Case in point, a friend of mine, he's a one of those CrossFitter guys, like he's just a mountain of a man. Like one of his thighs is the size of my whole body. Hi, Carson. And he's just like super duper strong. I invited him to do a pyo workout with me one day, which is just your body weight. Like this guy can squat the weight of my house. So he he does a pyo workout with me one day, which again is is just your body weight. And he's like, dude, my legs, I've never been so sore. I don't understand why. I'm like, the reason why is because it was something, it was really challenging. When we do something that's new, it doesn't always have to be harder, but it is harder for our body because it's challenging. So you've got to always be introducing challenge or obviously you risk injury because you're doing the same thing over and over. You risk boredom and you definitely are going to land yourself in a big fat plateau. No pun intended. So so the two things I said you want to focus on are periodization and progressive overload. I think you understand progressive overload now. It's just like safely making things more challenging. Periodization means that you want to be phasing. It's just another way of saying phasing. So it means whatever it is you're doing on a regular basis, you got to change it periodically, right? So when it comes to diet and nutrition, I teach people you should phase your diet like probably every six to eight weeks when you're just trying to figure out what works for you and you're kind of testing, I recommend four weeks, right? Like you do four weeks of maybe a diet that's lower in carbohydrates and then four weeks of a diet that's very balanced and then four weeks of a diet that's higher in fats and lower in protein, you know, just phasing things to figure out like, what does my body like? You need at least four weeks to figure out how does my body feel about this? And then once you figure out, and the same thing is true of your workout schedule, right? So if you only did Pilates for four weeks, your body's just getting used to it at week four, you don't have to change immediately. But if you've been doing Pilates, say for four years, or even for, you know, eight or nine months, and you're not seeing results anymore, like you were at first, but now you're not, that doesn't mean you should give up Pilates, but it means you need to introduce something new. It doesn't mean that you're supposed to do what you're doing, but a lot more of it. That was a mistake I made, doing high impact turbo kick and turbo workouts and running and doing HIIT workouts. Like that gave me great results. And then once I hit a plateau, the mistake that I made was assuming that I just need to do more of the things that I loved. I need to do spend like more hours pounding my body as opposed to just introducing something new and giving my body adequate rest. So again, that last big mistake that you want to think about, like, am I doing this? Am I thinking intentionally about creating a way that's more challenging, like creating that progressive overload? Am I phasing my workouts or am I doing the same thing? over and over and over again, and my body has adapted. And maybe that's why I am not seeing the results that I want to see. 
And I guess as an extra added bonus, I, I just want to leave you with this. Your body believes you. When we decide that we are run down, your body, like it follows suit, right? And you start to feel tired. And it's like that person who is about to get on a flight and they will announce, oh gosh, I'm afraid to fly because every time I fly, I get sick. And then what happens? What happens? They get sick. Our bodies believe the thoughts that we hear, whether you realize it or not. And maybe I'm getting like a little too woo-woo for you right now, but if you've not read the book, The Body Keeps the Score, oh, what a good book. And it is available on Audible. But the concept there can be applied to diet and nutrition as well. Like if if you're constantly saying to yourself, I look like crap, I'm not seeing results, my body just doesn't cooperate, I hate my body, like why can't I have fill in the blank? And you're just, you're not even beating yourself up. You're like, you're speaking negatively about your body. It's like you don't believe in your body, right? Like if you don't believe in your body, if you don't believe it's possible, how will it ever happen? And I speak from personal experience. If you've been listening to my show, some of you have for like 10 years, you know, there was a period of time where every single month I had an injury. Like I had so many injuries. It was crazy. I felt, I mean, we have so many pairs of crutches in the garage that we had to donate recently and they're, they're all mine. I had so many injuries like broken ribs and plantar fasciitis and torn hamstring and torn bicep and torn abdominal muscles. Like I had so many injuries and I was constantly saying that I'm getting injured. And in my head, even though I wasn't saying these things out loud all the time, but in my head, I was always saying to myself like, there must be something wrong with me. Why won't my body do what other people's bodies will do? Like I, I was almost like angry and resentful at my body. I was expecting it to fail. I was expecting my body to break down. I was expecting not to ever be satisfied or pleased. I, I never acknowledged the progress that I made. I never thanked my body for the things it was doing. I, not, none of that. I just didn't appreciate any part of my physical being. And that tape was playing on loop in my head, even though it was subconscious. And my body believed what my brain was saying. I had to change that. It didn't happen overnight. You know, you've heard Mel Robbins say, you know, high five yourself in the mirror. And some people laugh at that idea, but it does start with just like one moment where you can praise yourself and find something to praise yourself. Actively looking for things to say, that's pretty good. You know, so I work out with Dr. Michaela, like almost probably four mornings a week. And as we were going to pick up our weights to do a particular exercise, you know, she picked up her weights and I said, because I knew she wouldn't remember. I knew that she, you know, because sometimes we don't acknowledge ourselves. I said, do you know how much you started at when we first started this exercise? And she said, no, I have no idea. I said, you've increased the amount that you can lift by almost 25%. And she's like, I have? I'm like, yeah, you've never been this freaking strong. Now, if you don't have me in your corner hyping you up, you're going to have to do it for you, right? I do it for myself all the time. And then I'll come home and I'll tell Brad, I'm like, guess what I just did? And maybe he's not interested, but you want to start saying these things out loud because we have to shift the conversation you're having about your body. And that starts with you taking it out of your head and actually speaking these words Speak into the possibilities. Stop following these people who have unrealistic bodies that look nothing like yours, 
They're 10 years younger than you. You don't have their genetics. Oh, and by the way, you don't have all day, every day to focus on fitness and nutrition. So why are you following them and thinking that they're motivating you because they're in your subconscious, making you potentially feel much worse about yourself? I'm so careful about this. And you you really have to be conscientious because there's a whole bunch of people that you have to be honest with yourself. They're 10 years younger than me. So why am I even like... Why? Why am I following them and looking at their bodies and allowing these like negative thoughts to creep into my head? I want to look at women who have transformed their bodies and they're older than me and they're stronger than me. The queen agers, right? Gosh, there's a bunch of them. I need to make a list. I keep saying that. Oh, I know another one. Our Warren. Gosh, there's so many. Okay, I'm going to make a list. I'm going to make a list and it's going to appear in the show notes for this episode. I'm going to list at least five Instagram ladies, gals, queenagers, who I think you're going to find their physiques and their strength inspirational. Okay. So let's make a pact. No more saying anything negative or disparaging about your body. Even if you're like, Shaleen, but it is true. I have gained 15 pounds. I don't care. Why put that out there? Why state that? Instead, if you're going to leave a comment in the pod squad, I'm going to reprimand you if you say anything negative about yourself. Did you hear me? You're going to have your head pinched off. I need you to go in there and and tell me something that you appreciate and you know you need to recognize that your body is doing for you or that you're doing. Like even if it's something such as consistency, maybe you haven't even started your fitness journey yet. I don't care. I want you to comment something positive about yourself and, and say, you know where I am? I'm proud that I didn't click through and turn off the podcast when I heard it was about exercise and nutrition, because in the past I would have. I'm proud of the fact that I'm letting this stuff soak in and that I'm going to make some of these changes. I'm proud of the fact that I'm able-bodied, that I'm able to walk up and down the stairs, that I'm able to walk to my car and park further away from the front door, like whatever. Like if we, we have to start sharing our gratitude for what our bodies will do for us if we want them to do more. I want you to love and appreciate what your body does for you, what it has the potential to do for you. I want you to love yourself regardless of what's going on with your body, but I I need you to appreciate where you are and what is possible. I love you. I mean it. And I'll talk to you soon. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, just do me a favor and double check and make sure that you're subscribed or following if you're actually someone who listens on the Apple podcast. And if you've got just like 30 seconds, it would really mean the world to me if you were able to leave a five-star review and tell me specifically what it is you liked about this episode. My show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I do also have a business podcast that comes out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I host that with my son, Brock. It's called Build Your Tribe. You should check it out. There's always a link in the show notes. I'm sure you know this, but on Fridays, my episodes are very casual very personal. It's usually stuff with myself and my husband. If you love that kind of stuff, I want to invite you to check out my Patreon. It's all of the Shaleen Show episodes ad-free. In addition to that, for just $5 a month, you get extra episodes. And this is this is the stuff that's like kind of too personal to put on the Shaleen Show. It, it's all personal stuff. There's like no like personal development. It's just real, raw, what's going on in our lives, stuff we can't talk about on the show. However, if you are easily offended, Patreon is not for you. That's not the place to be, all right? You can learn more about it by going to patreon.com forward slash The Shaleen Show. 
Any of the links that I referenced in this episode will show up in the show notes, which are just below the episode. To learn more about the services that I offer and to take advantage of some of the free resources, I invite you to check out my website, which can be found at shaleen.com. 